and welcome to another episode of the Dice Are Screaming Podcast. Oh. Yeah. It's like Kool-Aid, busted law. Oh, yeah. Yeah, coming at you one more time. It's Topic Tuesday. Hope you had a good weekend and hope everything's going well with you. We had some call-ins from Larry Hamilton and some good feedback about our Kickstarter episode. So thanks, everybody, for the kind words. Very much so. It was an enjoyable episode and timely because Kickstarter has become a a major medium for new releases of items. And, you know, certainly, hey, worth looking into for those who have never poked around Kickstarter before. There's some worthy outings there. Uh, Yeah. We did a, a pretty good job. And covering some of the pitfalls, but uh, Larry has some to get to as well, and he brought up some topics that... Uh, yeah, there's a couple of little worthy addendums there. Yeah, that he has. He's uh, had a lot more experience. We're mostly guys who spend our time looking in from the outside. I mean, I have never run a Kickstarter. No, Myself I don't know either. Uh, yep. You know, my experience is limited to the customer level, uh, yeah. which, <laughs> no... No picking on me about it. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that's bad. Uh, it's just <laughs> uh, I don't have the internal experience of uh, actually operating a Kickstarter on my own. I, I do, however, know a few people in gaming who have given it their old college try. Uh, yep. So we're going to turn it over to Larry and be right back with you with some news about our topic and probably an advertisement or two. But we will be back. Hey fellas, this is Larry with Follow Me and Die, just listening to your most recent episode about Kickstarters. And as you may have heard or seen me write about all over the place on social media, I've been working on a card game that I plan to kickstart in 2020. And you're right on the mark with a lot of this stuff. Um, I would say research is primary, that you've got to understand Kickstarter. And I built a dummy Kickstarter to see all the ins and outs and there's a lot of stuff in there once you set it up you can't change it see there's certain things have to be right before you push go or you can't change it um and the things you can change are going to make a big difference um communication you kickstarter says you have to communicate via kickstarter uh, of course, you can get the word out on your social media to point back to the Kickstarter page, but you should always update. And another minute. Also, you're right on the money where you say get the work done. Get as much of it done as you can before the Kickstarter goes live. That you should only, in my estimation, only have editing and maybe a little final artwork and maybe some layout. But the definitely the rough drafting and second drafting and so forth needs to be really solid on shipping you can't prepay shipping that's something that if you bake shipping into your project you better deliver on time or you're going to get soaked that's why a lot of projects have gone to pay for shipping after the kickstarter along with research i recommend seeing how Kevin Crawford does his stuff. He cranks out a lot of stuff, stars without number and so forth, and even reveals his method in one of his uh, zines. Good work. Keep it up. All right, and thanks for that, Larry. Thanks for the call-in on that. And uh, also appreciate all you're doing on your blog, Follow Me and Die. Anybody out there listening? Anyone within the sound of my voice, go listen to Follow Me and Die, because it's a great podcast. But It is. Larry hit a lot of points 
uh, that we took covered, but, you know, he hit a lot of little things that we haven't done and thought about. So, yeah, it's... Being thoughtful about what you set for parameters with a Kickstarter system that uh, is, you know, the ability to make changes later is curtailed. That's that's a thing worth getting out there. I'm glad that that uh, came up in that call-in, because if you're stumping for people, hey, don't be intimidated by Kickstarter, and here's some thoughts on running your own, uh, that's a terrific thing to have added into the conversation, is that be ready for controls and systems that you may not be familiar with. Run a, a dummy, you know, a, a walkthrough. Yeah. Uh, that's just outstanding advice. I'm glad that came up. Yeah, and also the postage after the uh, Kickstarter, you know. Bingo. Um, Prevent the casualty of war that would be your pocketbook uh, from high shipping costs. Yeah. Which, uh, believe me, I run into that periodically. And I've seen it, you know, a couple of Kickstarters, you know, fall off the edge of the cliff from that because, you know, wow. You know, literally, the internet covers the entire freaking globe. So, you know, you're going to get people from Tanzania. You know, you never even shipped to Tanzania. And you have to wonder where Tanzania even is. And then by the time you're done with that, you know, you have to pay $180. And, you know, there's your pizza money the for the next edge four months. Mauritania. And no, no, not even kidding. Uh, and I have the, the lifetime tragedy of it's... Uh, it's either one of two extremes with me. Either the people I know are so close by that I don't need to mail them anything because I'm <laughs> going to see them tomorrow anyway, or it's 3,000 miles. Uh, and yeah. I'll probably need Sherpas and sled dogs and uh, you know expedition equipment extraordinaire in order to go see them. So uh, I have no middle ground in that. So I am used to you know anything I send is usually going really far away yeah you do a pretty good business on ebay so uh, yeah you know uh slinging cards and stuff what and whatnot but uh yeah that's good advice larry and we wanted to spend a little time talking about it so uh before we get into the topic but you know we're not really experts on kickstarter all we're trying to get out there is like don't be intimidated by it you know this is almost a thing that now if you oh, have an idea for a game or in a product it's a prime time to get out there and see what's the public thinks about it. If you do your marketing and research, you know, you can get something off the ground and into people's hands. And we're not the least bit ashamed to admit that with customer-based experiences, the one thing we do actually know, uh, and kind of wrote into the ground in the last episode, is that as people who are customer-minded, uh, we know exactly what the things are that make us feel more secure, uh, what makes us feel good about a potential product, and, you know, what are the complications that, as customers, we have seen that are frustrating to us? That, so, you know, that, that we could contribute, uh, and I'm glad we did. Yeah. But there are aspects of Kickstarter that we've never explored. But I'm very glad we got those extra tidbits in. Yeah, I'm glad Larry gave us the call in. So thanks again, Larry, and uh, hope everything's going well with you. Yeah, gracias, All right, amigo. So we're going to turn it over to the advertisements, and then we're going to come back with topic. But... Yes. We will have a good one for you tonight, and uh, hopefully you'll stick around for that. So we'll see you in just a few. All right, and we're back. Thanks for sticking around. So we got some topic for you tonight, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. I, well, look, it's an unusual topic, but it's a yeah. thing that... It's a crisis that hit DMs, which uh, it happens in every DM's experience. At some point or another, this is a thing you're going to face. Sooner or later, inevitably... 
that moment will come. And since it's timely and important to DMs, of course we cover something like that. I mean, you can expect no less from the dollar store 3-in-1 shampoo, <laughs> body wash, and engine degreaser of gaming podcasts. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, we do it all, but you only paid a buck for it. You yeah. may not smell great afterwards, and you may have lost a couple layers of skin you may have wanted to have. But, hey, you're clean. <laughs> not responsible for loss of epidermis. Uh-oh. <laughs> We're right on. So what are we talking about? We're talking about off-the-rails gaming, or when yeah. games go off-the-rails because of player or design. Um, and it's, we've covered improv before quite yeah. a bit. So Yeah, this is not a discussion of improv per se. This is an analysis of what happens when you go off-the-rails, and do you make the decision to push to salvage it and get it back on the rails. You know, how do you shift the direction of the campaign and players back into sync? Or do you abandon ye all hope uh, who enter here (laughs) and call it good and find a way to work around it? Now, working around it, that puts you back in the improv zone. but, But how do you drag people back into the zone? Yeah, Uh, let's, let's... kind of start with uh, the various possibilities. Right, okay, so primarily you're either going to be running something pre-made or you're going to be doing something homebrew. Now, if you're doing a homebrew design, it's a lot easier to improv or fly off the top of your, by the seat of your pants or the top of your head, whichever you prefer. Yeah, you, you, you came into it with no really firm expectations that, you know, this is the only content I have available to me. Uh, in most homebrew campaigns, you've got some idea of where everything is and what everybody's uh, looking at around them. You know, if, if you designed the whole place yourself and you're not in a structured module-based environment, okay, you're, you're in a pretty comfortable zone where somebody can throw you a zinger and you're okay. But what about pre-made? Well, I'd like to tell you something about the homebrew is... is oh. As easy as it is to shift, there's also a problem. You're the one providing all the content. You have to do all the legwork and, you know, designing. So you have to kind of come to the table prepared with something. Now, of course, you can abandon it. Maybe you have something else to fall back on. But that's still, it's all on you as the DM. But again, don't panic because we're going to cover it after we get back as examining the pre-mates. Now, pre-mates... Provide usually a pretty good scope of options if the players decide to take it in a different direction. But designers being who they are and players being who they are, nobody can anticipate the various ways things can unfold. So I'd like to kind of present this from a singular point. And we're going to put that as a homebrew or as a pre-prepared module, the scenario is the same. That you're expecting, or at least anticipating, that over the course of play, a bandit fortress has been revealed. And in this bandit fortress, you laid clues that there may be an undiscovered level that the bandits, not being the most cunning of dungeoneers, have left alone. So you want them to go, at some point, to the bandit fortress. But also, to salt the campaign, there's been a dragon in the area. And you've hinted at it, but now the dragon should soon be coming into play as the players have enough power and experience under their belts to deal with something of that level. That's the impetus. Now, whether you've designed it as homebrew or you've designed it completely as, or using a module that completely has this in there, 
There are different approaches that you're going to take. But your presumption is the player is going to go to the Bandit Fortress, find a weapon or shield or item that will help them fighting a dragon of great power deeper in the forest, presumably a green dragon, but you could be anything. Yeah, your, your gut-level instinct is that the players are going to build up to the most dangerous uh, situation. Uh, the DM falls prey to this a lot, where uh, the decision that you would make, knowing what you know, would be very different than the decision that the player would make. It, and it, it can lead you off into the bushes, like, no, there's no way they'll do that. Oh, trust me. Oh, they will. Trust me. They're, they absolutely could and would do that. Uh, it is just like trying to get a, a clear answer out of the Joker. <laughs> a very good analogy. <laughs> and more to the point, too, it's unpredictable. And that's where the fun, and we say fun, because it is fun, of homebrewing and running a pre-made module is that you want to have some structure in your campaign so that you can anticipate what to do next or what to prepare for next. So, as always, preparation is key, but you go into a game a lot of times expecting something to happen, and the players surprise you. So, for instance, the players say, hey, we want to go to a seaport. We're tired of scrumming around in these grubby forests fighting bandits all the time. Let's go to up and be pirates on the seas. Oh, well, I, you know, okay, seen so, it happen. Yeah. So, that's a thing. Oh, sorry about that. And so you have to kind of prepare that sometimes players come to the table with different expectations than you do, but communication is key, and most things can be muddled out. But we'll get back to that one in a minute. What we're going to go here is that when you design a module, or run a module, and you design a scenario for your homebrew campaign, you usually are going with the expectations of what the players have, and that's where your communication pre-game or post-game comes into play. You ask players whether before or uh, the session begins, what were you thinking of doing after this next session? They can give you a clue. And sometimes people do it before the game, but most of the time, post-game, you get a little talk afterwards, a little banter after the game's breaking up and all that. Or you talk about, hey, what are you guys thinking about doing next? Oh, uh, yeah, those bandits have been pesky, so here you go, scribbling away. Now, with if you're using a pre-made adventure, it's probably already laid in there somehow that um, the Lord of the Land will tell you, go forth and slay all those pesky bandits who have been stealing my hard-earned taxes that I've been taking away from the peasants. Yeah, he assigns mission one right out of the gate. Right. Uh, and doesn't hand you a mission two. Uh, if you hand them three potential missions and then let them pick, uh, they might divert at any moment. Right. Uh, but... If they have a clear chain of command and an expectation upon them, and there's a reward contingent on this, that'll usually, but not always, mm -hmm. keep them on task. Uh, not throwing, if you've got a party inclined to drift off, do not throw around lots of red herrings. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or if you do, have a clear ending to the red herring. Mm -hmm. Be an indicator indicator that they just didn't waste their time. It's just not going to bear any fruit to the current situation. Yeah. It's, it's, you can look into it afterwards. Maybe it got them into a little fight, and uh, they got a little dust up and a few knickknacks of treasure out of it, but it you know, it comes to a close where they know, oh, well, now that one wasn't the answer. Let's move to the next. 
uh, if you're trying to keep them on task and they have an ultimate goal they're supposed to achieve. Uh, red herrings, bare minimum. All right. So you want to keep the play in whichever uh, scenario you're using, whether it's pre-made or homebrew. You want to keep track of it. And usually in pre-mades, they give you a graded success. Now, maybe before, they've just been stomping goblins or kobolds or whatever pesky creatures been annoying people. But now the bandits are becoming an organized force as they have less monsters to deal with. So the scenario evolves, whether, again, you've done it as prearranged from a module or by your own design in the game. Maybe decided to... Maybe they finally knocked off a nest of pesky goblins that, or orcs or... Even bugbears. Ooh, all right. Uh, yeah, that's that's for your mid-levelers there. You, yeah, you, you but, want some weight behind you before you go chase bugbears. And we're presuming that the party's strong enough now to take on most moderately challenging encounters. Even more frightening, bed bugbears. Oh, ooh, horrible. They're horrible. hard to get rid of. Yeah, it's incredibly tough to get rid of. Just Even gross. a fireball, though. And they're gross. Oh, yeah, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Just <off>. Sorry. <laughs> nice diversion. Um... <laughs> So, your players are presented with the scenario, and they decide to diverge. They say, okay, they're going to go to the bandits, but you do a little foreshadowing. And here's what we're talking about, doing a little bit of pre-examination of what your scenario is. You want to show them that there's a dragon in here, and there maybe have been hints or even survivors of an attack. So, the player's hearing a dragon and thinking, well, we're pretty powerful. Maybe we could take this dragon on. After all, the DM wouldn't put a dragon in the adventure unless we had a hope of overcoming it, right? Uh, um, yeah, well, you're the DM. You know that... It's a big planet. Not everything is your level. That's right. <laughs> but players being players. So what do you do when they decide to now, instead of going to the Bandit Fortress, to explore that little hidden level dungeon underneath? They're hunting for dragon caves. All right. Um, and, of course, you know, hunting for dragon caves means missing out on the... the Dragon slaying sword you hid in the bandit fortress you thought they would go to. Uh, common DM problem, you know. You you had a linear progression of events, and they shuffled it. Uh, how yeah. do you how do you undo that moment? Well, there's a number of ways, but also uh, we'll take a moment out here to talk about that whole thing about communication, where you talk to your players about where they want to go. If you're running the homebrew, like you do a lot of times you get a pretty good feel of what they're interested in. So it's a lot easier for you to put things in their path that will put them back on to the path if they decide, oh, red herring number three sounds really good. Yeah, It they... could be a cult of evil priests that have been manipulating pe manipulating the bandits and monsters in this area to organize a threat to overthrow the good kingdom. Yeah, it, it could easily be whatever it is that you desire. Uh, and homebrew, it does lend you... A lot of freedom. Okay. So you decide, okay, they want to go looking for evil priests or cults in the woods? Well, let's let them have some. And like you said before... Yeah, that brings us to the improv scenario, which, I mean, you know, if there's an area off the edge of the map and that's where they're going, start filling in blanks. That's, that's improv turf, and I know it is a bunch of work to spawn these kinds of con concepts instantaneously, like on command. Uh... Again, having done a lot of reading of fiction and a lot of media consumption of, you know, uh, movies and television, those stuff, those kinds of things help you to fill in blanks very quickly. Yeah. It 
hones your improv skills. It does. Uh, if you have lots of things to reference and think of, like, all right, well, what would make an exciting adventure now that I, like, the city I had them headed to is literally now off the list. Uh, homebrew, yeah, it is It is a lot easier to improv it out, work it off, but pre-made, well, uh, it's going be challenging. The one of the advantages is while you're not doing all the legwork of having, when I say legwork, it's more brain sweat. Um, I'll address that more properly from now on. But yeah, you're doing all the brain work, setting down and designing stuff in homebrew, where your brain work and preparation is more just reading and understanding the concepts that are being presented inside the module so you can articulate them to your players. Now, in this case, they decide hey, we're going to go looking for evil cultists off in the woods because that's one thing that was presented in one of the modules. Hey, wasn't there an unholy symbol of Orcus on one of those bandits or bugbears we found? And wasn't there one on a group of bandits that you threw in as a color description on some uh, unnamed unholy symbol? Yeah, it's Orcus. Yeah, well, what was... Oh, I see the connection now. What was the meaning behind the five green towels in that dungeon? Exactly. So, <laughs> now you can weave those elements together and you can do the same thing. Creation. Sometimes you just need to call a quick break and don't let them see you scribble on. Or you can have pre-prepared stuff. I, I do want to highlight something. Uh, you know, you have multiple options as a DM. Uh, at One of them is one that I don't like. Okay? When you have a preset module and you have fixed material that you expected to play that night and things go off the rails you do have options now you know number one is going into improv turf you accept that they are going off the rails you're not going to fight them on it it's like okay you know i'm just going to fill in the blanks i'm going to accept that they're going somewhere different and i'm going to craft some material very quickly, hit the in random encounter tables, and try to give them something to do. That That's okay. Uh, I like that. I'm okay with that in a homebrew campaign. Uh, but preset modules make that a much tougher choice because they're never really going to accomplish the, the key goals in that module if they do that. So that gets you to number two, which is divert them back on course. And, you know, like Randy has gone through a number of things here about baiting them right. with various opportunities. And, of course, you know, little quest mods go off where, like, oh, okay, you guys are herring off every after every side quest in sight. Well, here's three side quests in a row that all point you back to the same freaking place. Right. Now, the last one, the last one in this, this I accept that other people can do it, mm-hmm. but I don't actually recommend it myself. It's the DM confession moment where you just, you know, bring the screen down a little and you say, guys, uh, that is not the direction to go to get into this module proper. Uh, you know, that I'm not going to be able to run this right if you guys keep going off to the east. The actual thing that you want is to the west. You can confess, but it breaks game form. Okay? Yeah, it and breaks I, the kind I of... I don't like that option. It's not a thing that I would ever... And sometimes you have to do that whether even with homebrew. Yeah, you and you may have to say... Uh, I'm not ready for this. I'm not prepared for this. So we're just going to either... Have you carefully thought out this plan to break into the high priest of the gods of law and good and punch the archbishop in the nose? Yeah, he's totally having it coming. You, know, like, you said that staff was covered with gems and rubies. Well, 
It's probably worth like ten six thousand gold at least, right? Yeah. Okay. So so there's no way I can talk you out of this. Why? Right. He's, he's a champion of the wish gun. What do they got? What a third level paladin? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they. Oh think, yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. And then three beheadings and one burning later. <laughs> so, but okay. So let's go with this. So you say, whatever scenario, we're just going to drop now homebrew or pre-made. The players are going looking for dragon caves. Okay, The bandits have struck, while they're out, have struck at the one of their home bases and captured a friendly NPC that they're very friendly with or like. Maybe it could be a barmaid. It could be that elven bard, that half-elven bard that always sang good songs about them. Or it could have been the dwarven smith who... And you get word from a fast-riding ranger that this has happened, you know. Or you find evidence that, uh, you know, a noble Hurry visitor... Hurry quickly before the victim has been tortured to death. They're your buddy, aren't they? <laughs> or being held for ransom, so... Time-sensitive bait. Right, so that could be one way. Another way is to basically have the bandits assault them and retreat. <laughs> and see if the sting of injury will yep. drive your players to, you know, into pursuit. Uh Knowing that the players are in wait. So those are good ways. And those also rely on improv, but it's also using existing material, whether you're prepared or or using stuff yeah. from that, that has already been prepared for you. It's the actions that you're choosing for your preset material. You know, that your preset opponents are now making decisions that will goad the players into participation. Another way, it's usually a little bit more desperate, is always... You could have a wanderer, a sage or druid that knows of the area. Oh, you are seeking the dragon? Perhaps they we don't know where the dragon is, but we do know where there is a druid. And the druid said, well, yes, once ago there was a great hero opposed to the dragon, or its sire or mother, and defeated them and drove them from this land. But the sword was lost, but I believe that it lays in the ruins of the old castle. That's once, what was once they called their home. Ah. And so once again, the player's like, ding... Yeah. Yeah, that castle has fallen into ruin and is now occupied by bandits. Oh, oh, we're back to the bandits. Uh, <laughs> darn you, DM! We want to kill a dragon! And But you will, just maybe not this instant. And but, and here's the last thing. If you're just bent on meeting the dragon, well, there is option five. <laughs> Uh-oh. Pull the pin. And throw it at Yeah, him. this is actually back to, uh, you know, the, the pre-made accept. Accept that they're going to do this. Just let it happen. Let it happen, man. Okay, they go to the dragon, and... They're going to fight you on this? All right, cool. It's dragon town, baby. <laughs> get in there. They get their butts kicked, if they survive. And maybe they learn a lesson and have to create new characters. But, let's say a few survive. I'm more in that camp. Yeah. You know, just like... The dice are going to fall wherever they may. Yeah, and okay. if they kill the dragon through a critical hit or a miraculous turn of events... Good for them! Yeah! Oh, awesomeness happened, which, you know, it's amazing how often potentially amazing and potentially fatal intersect. Yeah, <laughs> and there you go. That's the secret right there. No matter what happens, even if it goes off the rails, that means sometimes you're doing things right. You've got the players involved in a campaign that entices them to different actions than what you prepare for. And... And that's kind of the game of D&D for the Dungeon Master and players. That's not adversarial, per se. It can be when you feel that no matter what you try to get the players to do, they do something different. They're involved and they're engaged. Now, for most groups that I've ran with, most are pretty accepting of the conditions of scenarios, 
either pre-made or by homebrew, understanding that this is kind of what you come to the table for. The DM is going to do something. And some people, like in my Skull and Shackles campaign that I'm running, uh, events just happen to them. They're completely out of control. They have almost no weapons, few allies, and they're stuck on a pirate ship with very evil people. So they have to do what they're told. Now, they don't like it, and they're always looking for ways to circumvent it, but they're also, it's a small ship, and there are always eyes upon them. Yeah, there are ways to, to keep things somewhat in line. But eventually they're going to break out. Now, once, of course, the campaign will obviously change once they get their own ship, and then they're going to go like, hey, we're just going to go raid Chelish merchants for the entirety of our careers. Okay, go right ahead. But That works by me. I got ways to put you back on course if you need it, if need be. And no. including such things as storms that mysteriously appear and blow you way off course near an island that you didn't want to go to, but now you're at it. Well, geez, it's like this world wants it's, us to go to this island, so I guess we're going to go to this island. Oh, the casks of precious fresh water that you needed to traverse these dangerous seas have all been smashed. You're down to less than 30 gallons to, you know, water an entire crew. Uh, you, you may have only days left before you begin starving to death unless you stop on this island and search for a source of fresh water. Yeah, all right, look. DMs hey, hey it worked for Isla Dread. I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, is it a little hackneyed? Is it a trope? Absolutely. But you know what? Uh, that's the stuff of movies. That's the stuff of fiction. Steal. Don't borrow. Right. And oftentimes, circumstances like nature and inconvenience have often forced many people, both in military and exploratory campaigns, to divert from their initial goal and have to look to something else. So with Off the Rails on the Mind, uh, and, you know... Oh, goodness. Wow. I don't even know what that was. It sounded kind of cool, didn't it? Yeah, I forgot to turn on the uh, notifications, so (laughs) forgive us for that. But again, that's what you get for the dollar shampoo. We have have sound effects. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll just deal with that. All righty. So, yeah, that's really cool. That, uh, That's the sound that goes off every time the kimono is opened. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> we need to have that. Yeah, so. we need that on all the time now. I'm begging you. you know, that, Oh, yeah. So that people now, you know, like, they'll hear that and they'll go, ah, jeez. You know, they're just face palm. He's got the kimono open. Oh, boy. No, uh, this is a DM kimono open moment uh, where when you're working with a preset module, uh, rule number one is if you expect randomness, you can prepare at least to mitigate it. So a pre-module examination is necessary. And we talked about this in session zero and other episodes Mm -hmm. where your pre-examination of a module is going to be critical to your ability to deal with players' random acts. Uh, Look at the material. Especially pay attention to moments where a decision by the players could take things off rails. You know, sit there and think mm-hmm. about the progression of events that the module portrays. Uh, if the writing in it did not prepare for the players to ignore a vital clue, uh, have things in mind already. You know, design alternate resolutions for encounters. Like, well, okay, maybe they negotiate with this creature that I thought they would just kill. Yeah, maybe the bandit. They appeal to the bandit chieftain 
to get a crack at the weapon, instead of killing and murdering all the bandits, they managed to negotiate a deal to get in there and share some of the loot down below for in, in trade for that sword. There's a great way that you didn't anticipate. Yeah, it, they don't have to slaughter their way through the whole place. Uh, you know, they might be able to work something out. Right. And that's exactly where we're trying to come at is that don't panic. Remain, don't panic, remain calm. There is absolutely nothing going wrong with this scenario. Everything is exactly as it's planned because really behind the screen, all there is is a blank notebook. Um, <laughs> you know, it's all been made up anyway as we're, we're just making this up as we go Never along. Never let your players see you sweat. Uh, never give them the satisfaction. That's right. Uh, they don't, they don't deserve that kind of power over you. Uh, all they need to know is that your impassive poker face is just gazing at them in, you know, like a Saturnine countenance, looking down upon them like, are you sure that's what you choose? That's all they need to know. None yeah. of this, none of this should be in the player's uh, knowledge. Now, I know, obviously, people who play and people who DM both listen to podcasts, so, but if you practice that poker face in the mirror... Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> your players will learn to never know the difference. They will I only go. smile when I rolled crits. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, when when something is really going my way, uh, my players have learned my tell, which is I, I have a corner lip twitch that's mm-hmm. really hard to control. Uh, it just just ever so slightly, and you know that has clued them in more than once that I am amused. My wife knows the shit's about to hit the fan. Like, oh, really? <laughs> He's like, oh, shit, we're in for it. I heard an oh, really. If the oh, really came out, something is not well. <laughs> <laughs> but all right. Uh, sorry about the interruption. So kind of forgot to put that in as we were getting ready to do our podcast tonight. But we hope you appreciated our topic. That's probably... Yeah, we've we've hit the off the rails pretty well. Uh, yeah. It's a thing that every DM has got to face. Uh, there's a variety of techniques. We a little walk through to divert people back under the course or make a you know a plan like your emergency backup plan. Break glass in case of crazy adventures, doing things they're not supposed to. Continue baiting the hook for the same location. You know we yeah we, we touched on a number of ways to pull yourself. Out of the crisis to, right. to get we, yourself back on on track. We wanted to give you a little bit more of a specific example to go on, so we could talk a little bit about some of the formats and ways that we've dealt with it from both homemade and pre-made adventures. So, and I personally hate being backed into a corner. Yeah, uh, as a, when I'm playing. Okay, not so much as a DM. Uh, as a DM, I'm I'm kind of content, and I just come out swinging. Uh, as a player. When I'm granted very little leeway, where a a pre-made module has only a single linear path, which must be absolutely adhered to, or there is simply nowhere else to go and nothing else to do. I despise that. It's sloppy writing. Uh, Well, yeah, but sometimes, just like in real life, you're presented with only one course. I guess I gotta walk. Yeah. When your car breaks down in the middle of the desert and a hailstorm suddenly appears out of nowhere... Well, I guess the hailstorm was supposed to happen, huh? Well, but you can't run. You can't hide. Uh-oh. There's a convenient nearby cave. Mm. Mm. Yeah. that. And hackneyed as it is, trope that it may be, it is the purview of DMs to make use of these tools. Yep. 
So we're going to leave you off with that, and we've probably abused your eardrums as well as your patience with those tells. So we appreciate you uh, listening in, and of course, as always, let us know what you think and By all what means. you'd like to hear. Yeah, we got our Facebook page, The Dice Are Streaming, as well as you can get a hold of us on Twitter on the normal handles of Death Hand Gaming and oh, Magi Box. Right. So you can always get a hold of us there, let you know what you think, what you liked, what you didn't like, and as always, may the dice always roll in your favor. We're out. See ya.